This is Paul Turner, host of the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, and you're listening to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast. <laughs> Fooled you there. You thought you were going to have uh, some other youth worker do that, but I thought, you know, I'm going to do my own intro today. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of weird, but that's me. But if you'd like to give and do the introduction for the show, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at thedisciplesproject at gmail.com and say, I would love to do the intro for your show, Paul, and uh, we can work it out. You can send me a file and it'd be awesome. And so today I have a great show for you. I have two former students from my youth ministry interview me on their podcast, which is a little bit surreal. Now, listen, both of these guys, uh, it is not a Christian podcast, uh, and both these guys still uh, believe in God. Uh, they are still trying to work out their faith with fear and trembling, as Scripture says. Uh, there's no swearing or anything like that. These are good dudes. Uh, but the memories they walk through are fascinating of what they remember about our youth ministry experience together. And so when I play the interview, and I'm playing the whole interview, I'm not holding back anything. I've edited zero out of this. You're going to find out a lot about me that maybe you didn't know about. And you're going to find out about how these young adults now that are in their mid-20s and what they reflect upon their experiences uh, within the youth ministry. So I, I, I just found it a fascinating experience. Their podcast, by the way, it's called The Wrestling Diaries. And in their show, uh, Mitchell Roulain, who's the host, and Matt, who does the uh, audio part, he's the engineer, if you will, uh, both these guys uh, interview people all from all various walks of life. And the reason they call it The Wrestling Diaries is I remember that they had backyard wrestling. Uh, in their in their backyard, and they would have these great uh, setups. And things. I was never invited, by the way. I'm still a little hurt that I was never invited to be a wrestler in their wrestling uh, in their wrestling show. But beside that, their show, The Wrestling Diaries, uh, is about what people wrestle with, and I share in the show some things that I wrestle with uh, as uh, as a human being, and I just find the, their show's premise. Um, really, really engaging. Once again, not a Christian podcast, but if you're going to check it out, uh, I would love you to check it out and give them some love and give them some stars if you enjoy it. They interview, like I said, people from all walks of life. And uh, and it's a really good show. So go ahead and I'll put a, a link down in the description below and you can go check out their, their full podcast. Before we jump into the interview, though, I would like to remind you of just two things. One, the fall is coming up. And I know that some of you are going to be looking for uh, some curriculum maybe, and uh, I would like to uh, make a plug for some curriculum that I've written. I've done four-week series, six-week series, a lot on discipleship. So I'll put a link down below if you're interested in that, if you're looking to put together uh, a package of series. I can take care of your whole fall. Click the link below and uh, you'll find out uh, all the different series that I have. Uh, the second thing I want to remind you of is that I am available for coaching in the fall, that if you are uh, somebody that says, look, I could use a little extra training or my team could use a little extra training. I would love to do some team trainings. I would love to get everybody on a Zoom call or through Discord or whatever it is, whatever method we choose. If you're in the Birmingham area, I would love to come personally to your church and be able to do trainings with you uh, that if you need help in the area of evangelism or discipleship or follow-up or how to run a Wednesday night program, or just building relations with kids, I would love to be a part of the foundation that you've already laid to help you build a successful youth ministry on top of that. So let me know uh, by simply reaching out to me. You can go to thedisciplesproject at gmail.com and send me an email and uh, let me know that you are looking for some training or coaching uh this fall or before the fall ever happens. So, you know, whatever, whatever's up to you, you know, you, all right, those are the two announcements. And now I play for you in its entirety, uh, including the little intro, uh, my interview with Mitchell Rulane, who does the interviewing, Matt does the engineering. Both of them were great students in my youth ministry. They are still on a journey with God as we all are. And, uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. So here I am on the wrestling diaries. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast show for the average Joe. I'm your host, Mitchell Rulane. This is The Wrestling Diaries. And I would love, and so would my co-producer, Matt, 
If you would go check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, leave us a review. Also, to see the video content, go to YouTube, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell for more content we release once a week. The show is about people from everyday society and the things that make them who they are, right? Uh, we're investing in the being of the person and uh, the things that they wrestle with. Today, I have a really good friend, somebody that me and Matt and a lot of other of my friends have a lot of history with, our old youth pastor, Mr. Paul Turner. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> we should start doing like, uh, you should start putting like an audience feedback in there, Matt, you know, like all that stuff. What's up, Paul? What's going on? It's good to have you on the show, sir. Yes, sir. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I, I mean, you know, I was just, I was hard up for guests. You were hard up for guests. And I was like, oh, I need some. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving. I I'm, knew it. I, for anybody listening, I'm giving him flat because he was like, oh, you must have really needed a guest really bad. No, man, you're a super interesting person. And, and I've actually wanted you on the show for quite a while. Just, well, thank you very much. I guess this is the first time I had a chance to reach out yeah. for this specifically. Sure. And then also, we got to do those lobster rolls. Yes, Remember? please. Lobster rolls. We got to go to. Uh, where is yeah, that? The, I don't know. You got to find them on Twitter, wherever they're at. Okay. Because the truck moves. They out. move. Yeah. So oh my God. They're, they were down in Avondale uh, not too long ago. So so uh, what I was just saying uh, to everybody listening was uh, you used to be our youth pastor when we went to Gary Wood Assembly of God. And uh, we were uh, young, uh, what is it? I don't want to say insubordinate teenagers. but we Hooligans. Were Hooligans. There you go. We Hooligans. Were, we were a motley bunch. You remember were. that? <laughs> I remember the uh, the senior pastor, John Loper. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And like we were helping you out with one of those wide opens. Yes. And then, we, you know, we're out there with our long hair and holy jeans yep. and we're helping you. Yep. And he was like, Paul, yes. what is, uh, what are you doing with this motley crew? Here? <laughs> I was like, oh, with the band? <laughs> we're a motley crew of people. <laughs> that was really great. It was. It's yeah. a highlight. And I'm, I'll never forget that one of my first experiences with you, like when you came and you replaced a Patrick mm -hmm. uh, Conrad, I think was that. Yep, that's correct. Um, you kind of took a shining to me and Thomas initially. You invited us out to uh, lunch and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And um, I've always wondered all these years later, I don't know if I ever actually asked you. If I did, I completely forgot. But what was it about us that you wanted uh, to hang out? Like, why did you want to hang out with us? We looked like, like crazy kids. It's exactly the reason I wanted to <laughs> hang out with you is because you look like crazy kids. Uh, and that's part of my, just part of my DNA, uh, being a weird kid growing up. So my heart always goes out to, um, those who are, um, a little, you know, uh, different mm -hmm. or, uh, don't look like they fit in with society maybe. Yeah. Uh, cause they have that kind of edge to them where everybody else can kind of guess, you know, you know, they're very vanilla maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I tend to be. Uh, I tend to gravitate towards those who are a little bit different and who uh, just look like they could get wild. And I go, look, the, look, if these guys, if these guys here would, you know, give their heart to Christ, man, they could do some incredible things uh, using whatever gifts and talents God's given them. And, and I just said, look, we're just going to go on a journey together. And that we did. And, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, so I, so I think all my, um, all my reasoning was, uh, was validated uh, for making those connections. I think that's a nice way of him saying that he likes freaks, Matt. <laughs> I like freaks. Look at these freaks. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe. Were you a, uh, I don't know if I've, no, I've never asked you this before. Were you like a punk rocker growing up? You know, like that, uh, you know, kind of punk rock thing. Cause that was I, I our had, mentality. Well, sure. Well, I had a punk rock mentality, although I wasn't necessarily into punk. Of course there was the sex pistols and things like that. So yeah. So I gravitated. I was more growing up in the eighties. I was more, uh, maybe into metal. Okay. Into the real Motley crew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. The real Motley the, crew. The real Motley crew. <laughs> and so I was, I was, you know, into all that world. Yeah. Uh, you know, big fan of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Played. And that game's been around forever. It has. It has. And, uh, and so I was always in that nerd crowd, but I always wore like red, like I had zero school spirit. Like I could have cared less about school. Mm -hmm. I wore black on red and white days. <laughs> Uh, just to be nice. obnoxious. So you can kind of see a little bit where maybe my personality yeah. uh, as a youth pastor saw those guys there. They remind me a little bit of me. So yeah. let's, let's outliers. go for that. Out, I want yeah. the, yeah, the outliers, man. Yeah. I always try to tell people that punk rock is like for people that don't understand like more of the concept of it. It's, it's, it is more of like an idea than it is just like a scene or a music. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like an, like we're like me and all my friends were, I guess, nonconformists. 
We just wanted to dress like we wanted to dress and do the things we wanted to do that we liked. And it didn't matter if everybody else is doing the same thing mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Yep. So I feel like individualism is what people should strive to be, right? Absolutely. And and we in, in our youth group at the time, we had all kinds. We had all kinds of people. But I thought we had a very loving group that kind of welcomed everybody in. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of, you know, coexisted <clears throat> very well. And uh, and so, yeah, so I, I tried to make that the norm where it wasn't like, oh, look at those guys. They're, they're weird. No, no, no. That's just who they are. They're just, they're part of us though. They're, yeah. they're not, they're not out there, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I remember we, we all like me and Thomas really liked uh, Patrick a lot, but then you came along. I was like, oh, this kid, he bought us Taco Bell. So <laughs> I think we might have a new favorite youth pastor. <laughs> so we love some TXB represent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, where did you come from before you started, uh, your job at Garywood? Uh, so yeah, before I came to Garywood, I was working at a, uh, Christian camp, uh, down in Vero Beach, Florida. And, um, and I was working there. I'd worked there. I have a long history with the camp. The camp's called Life for Youth Camp in Vero Beach, Florida. And they, um, that's where I went to as a, as a camper and, uh, wanted to give my heart to Christ there and worked several summers there. Uh, was, you know, did the, I was like worked up in leadership, was Bible team leader, was uh camp pastor, was day camp director for a year and, you know, did all that stuff. And then eventually, you know, was working there for, for four years. And it's also the place where I met my wife. So oh, wow. also a special place. We were <laughs> counselors together. And the, um, since 2001, uh, I have been speaking there every summer, and this summer, going back, will be my 20th year speaking for a week at camp there. Wow. That's oh, yeah. wild, dude. Are you, you originally from Florida? Like, no, I'm originally from New York. I actually grew up in New York till I was about 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Then my dad passed uh, on, and my grandfather was living in Vero Beach, Florida, so my mom and I wound up moving uh, moving to Vero Beach to, uh, to stay with him and take care of him, and that's how I got to Florida. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you don't really have that uh, New York lingo going. <laughs> Not anymore, I don't. It's been, you know, being in Florida will do that to you uh, for a little while. But then once you marry a girl from Alabama. Oh, was she originally from Alabama? Yeah, she, okay. Ueytown, Ueytown is. She was just in Florida for the camp. She was in the Florida for the camp. That's right. Okay. And all things being connected, uh, her church growing up was Garywood Assembly. Okay. So she had gone there for years and years and years. And then she's the one that found out that there was a job opening. I was not going to go back to full-time youth pastoring for various reasons. Right. And uh, I just said, you know, this would get her closer to her parents. And I said, you know, I can't be selfish about it. So I'm going to apply thinking there's no way I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. I thought I'm not going to get it probably. So I went ahead and applied and uh, lo and behold, got the jobs. Wow. How what about do you know? them apples? What do you know? Where's, where's the bulk of like your family at now like is it in florida or new york or the in alabama is it Inch, interesting you talk about my like my immediate family right and, and there were people that are like cousins things like that sure yeah right, sure well mom dad brothers sisters sure so, sure yeah. sure well uh that is an interesting story as well because when i left new york and i was you know 11 12 years old probably at the time and uh i really was connected with a lot of my cousins you know you get together for family and things like that mm-hmm. but uh but moving to Florida just decimated all that. There was really no connection because there was no internet. There was no, no way to really communicate. I mean, if you wanted to go back and visit, I guess you could, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't, uh, good for facilitating that. And so for me, I was very much alone, uh, you know, in the sense of I'm in a new place uh, called Florida and had nobody really. And so after my mom passed in, um, when I was 30, I really, then I had really had nobody at that point. So mm. after having both parents pass on and then being distant from cousins and things like that, uh, you know, it was essentially, you know, where you feel orphaned, you know, right. We have sure. the only family I had was the family that, that, you know, that I created. Right. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah. that I made, I made, <laughs> I, am man, I have created these lives. <laughs> Look, yeah. you are alive because of me and, yeah. um, and my wife. And so that was, you know, the, the, the solid unit there. And then, um, just uh, so funny you asked that because just a f- uh, oh, probably five days ago, I heard for after 40 years, I had gotten a message from one of my cousins Wow! in New York. And wow. we talked for about 20 minutes. So she wound up calling me and calling yeah. me. And so her name's Karen. Uh, and, and, you know, over the years, over the past probably 
five years, I would say I got in touch with maybe three cousins, uh, my cousin Danny, uh, who I was close with, my cousin Nancy, and uh, now Karen. So, you know, that was a, uh, that was an interesting, uh, interesting uh, set of circumstances. I imagine it was refreshing to catch back up with them though, right? After oh, these years? 100%. Catching I mean, up on all lives that have happened for yes, decades. Of decades, yeah. yeah. You're trying to catch up and you're trying to squeeze, you know, that amount of time in such a short amount of conversation. Yeah. And, um, you know, my hope one day is to go maybe fly back up there and, and maybe visit with them. Sure. Uh, just to just to kind of get around and, you know, uh, be able to talk and have conversations. Because it's funny, because when you are um, distant like that, you tend to lose a self, a sense of self. You lose a self, uh, you know, part of your identity almost. Cause I was really a New York kid growing up in Brooklyn. And when you don't have, you know, family, I mean, in reality, I'd have to go back and ask them. Uh, that's probably what I will do. I say, look, what do you remember about me? Because like, I don't remember a lot necessarily about myself mm-hmm. at various ages because they were all older than me. So I would have to get their perspective to even understand what I was. Uh, as a kid, which is kind of weird, right? You were hard nosed. You was beating people with bats, <laughs> robbing them on the side uh, of the road for hey, a cannoli, for a cannoli, <laughs> or a slice of pizza. Get him some pie. You broke that kid's nose. He wanted a pie. You want to give him some money for the pie? <laughs> I hope. Oh, I man. hope it's not that, but uh, it's probably based on what you've been saying, though, about all that. I, I guess it's safe to assume that you don't have any siblings. Then you're an only child. I don't. I don't. I'm actually. That explains a lot, Matt. It sure does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm. I'm actually uh, adopted. Oh, okay. And so is my wife. Wow. Which I did not know until I, I had didn't know this met her now. And, um, and so, yeah, so both of us are adopted, um, which is interesting too, that my daughter went into, uh, you know, worked with an organization that was about adoption, international adoption. So that was, uh, that was fun to see that. Um, so yeah, so for me, I could have siblings out there that I don't know about. Yeah. Um, Like biological siblings. I could have, I could have biological siblings. And so you have, um, you know, you have so much involved with being adopted, right? You get the idea that you're chosen, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the thing they tell you, right? You're like, well, every, every other kid was made. <laughs> yeah. They were just chosen. were random and yeah. you were chosen. Wow. And so that's great up until a point. And then you're like, yeah, but I kind of would like to know what the rest of the story was. Yeah. You know? Right, right. But, you always sit there and wonder, I imagine. Yeah. It's like, how, how terrible I was. Was I an ugly baby that they had to give me away? I mean, you know, you think of things like that, sure. especially when you're younger. I don't think about that now, but, uh, I always think about, you know, and somebody said, well, why don't you go and do research? And, you know, and of course I've done some ancestry.com type stuff, mm-hmm. but without, without names or without certain things, you can't really make all those connections. But for me, uh, I was happy to say that my, the mom and dad that adopted me is my mom and dad. I don't live, sure, yeah. I don't live with regret. I live with wondering, but I don't live with regrets. Oh, I had a whole nother life, which by the way, I don't know, could have been worse or far worse. Sure. Yeah. Had I stayed maybe in the family I was in. Right. So you Mm -hmm. don't, you don't know. Um, but I think this is the road that, uh, that God put me on. And so that's the road I stayed on. When did you, if I can, if I can ask, when was, um, when did you find out that you were adopted? Like, uh, Also a terrible story. Oh no. It just gets worse. It just gets worse. Right. This is like, people are listening to this going, this poor guy, <laughs> what is wrong with him? What has yeah. happened to his life? My mom, uh, unfortunately had issues with alcohol. Okay. Um, so the night that I found out that I was adopted, she happened to be drinking that night and which I think she needed that liquid courage. How old were you? Oh my gosh. The, eight. Eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Something ridiculous. My mom, God bless her. Listen, I don't want to paint pictures here that are not true. No, of course Both not. Both my mom and dad were good parents, mm-hmm. provided for me, worked their rear ends off, fabulous people. Alcohol has a problem, uh, has a way of, of dealing with things. Sure. But also, they, I, would not call them, I would not call them worldly people. I don't think either of them finished high school, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were super basic people. Yeah. And so for my mom, uh, she probably needed a little bit of liquid courage because she felt maybe responsible to tell me that, first of all probably the wrong time to do it. Eight is a little young. Yeah. Um, B, the circumstances also not great. Let's not do drinking to yeah. do that. Yeah. Because then I was like, cause I thought she was pulling my leg. I thought she was like, like, this is a joke. Like I'm sure. not really yours. Of course. And yeah. at eight years old, I don't know. Right. I'm like having a fit at this point. 
So, you know, God bless her. That was, she, she told me probably when I was eight years old and that was, it was a bit traumatic, but I recovered and, uh, you know, but it was a little, <laughs> it was, uh, it was certainly not the way I would have liked to have found out something like that. My sisters used to try to troll me when I was little and be like, Oh yeah, you were adopted. Your <laughs> mom just picked you up. And I was like, Oh, is that why I'm so much better looking than you guys? Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Boom. Chapow. That's what happened. You don't mess with seven-year-old Mitchell. Don't do it. <laughs> but anyways, so that was, uh, was that pretty traumatizing for you, I guess, as an eight-year-old? It was. And once again, my mom loved me, cared about me, but she felt, I think she felt at some point she had to tell me that, and she chose the, this time to do it. Yeah. Can't control any of that. But do you, uh, do you yeah. feel like something like that makes you grow up faster, like hearing something uh, like that? You know, I think it does in a way because you have now um, you're burdened with this knowledge, right? You're burdened mm -hmm. with a sense of of self that you weren't aware of that now you have. Not only do you have the life you have, it's like being told, you know, like in the movies, like you were really like a, a part of a, you know, a family that was like had billions of dollars and you were kidnapped. Yeah. Right. And you were like put on an island and you lived with this family. And then you come to find out that you have a whole nother world that was out there that you don't know about. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, what? And then you have no way to investigate that. You have no way to compare. You have no way to connect. You have no way to, there was no solution to that. It was just kind of the bomb that gets dropped on you. And you're like, oh, you're, there you go. Mm -hmm. You're adopted. Did you, so after it like all came out and that was like just common knowledge now in your mm -hmm. household, did, did your parents never tell you about your biological parents or any of that? Or did they know or? Uh, they only knew a little bit. They knew that my dad, for some reason, they knew my dad was a guitar player. How they knew that? I, don't, I believe they were college students. Okay. So God bless my biological parents for at the time. I mean, they could have chosen abortion. They could have chosen other other things, you know, other uh, choices that they had. Sure. Uh, so kudos to them for, you know, letting me stay around. Yeah. <laughs> or right. we, we would not be having this interview. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so for me, it's, uh, you know, uh, I had limited knowledge, very limited knowledge of, uh, of, of who they were. That's, that's all I, maybe that, and maybe because my adoptive parents only had a limited amount of knowledge. And that's the part of the problem too, is when people pass on in your life, you can't ask them the questions, especially yeah. when you're eight. Or, and your dad passes on, right? So my dad probably died of cancer when I was eight years old. And so yeah. you're not able to go back. And then the people start dying that were, who knew him start dying. And then you're not able to ask the questions when you're old enough to articulate the real questions you want to ask. Right. And so when all that's happening, then, then at 30, when you really want to start, then your mom passes, then you really have no, you have nowhere to go. So this connection with my cousins who knows? Hopefully I'll be able to ask some questions yeah. down the road and be able to say, well, what was that like? What was my mom like when she was younger? And what was my dad like, you yeah. know, when he came home from the military or when, you know, questions like that, that, that you don't have any concept of when you're eight or nine. So or then now old. those cousins then are biological cousins or cousins? no, they're, they're, they're the cousins they're through, the cousins the through, through the adopted okay, family. Okay. Yeah. But then they might know more information. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. About my, about my, my, at least about my, um, adoptive mom and dad, you know, I, that yeah. I would want more information on sure, at least yeah, who yeah. they were as younger, who okay. they were when they adopted me, who they were, you know, I get what you're saying. Who, who gotcha. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see, I'm a, a huge, uh, creature of closure. Right. Mm. And so like, I, something like that would just irk me to the core. Cause like, it's just not knowing it doesn't matter that I was adopted. It doesn't matter. Like what, like that stuff is yeah. whatever, but like, I just, because I want to know why and when and who and like, I'm like, and when I don't get closure, it just freaks me out. Like I'm a creature of closure. I have sure. to have closure. So sure. I would be like, man, clawing at the walls. Not saying that you should be doing that because we're two different people, but. Well, yeah, no, I just, understand. I know. I completely understand that. And I, I guess because I had to resolve, <clears> right. You have to, when you can't find uh, closure, the right kind of closure. And I'm a big fan of that in youth ministry, right. To be able to close out when, when your time or your season. Mm -hmm. I think that's important, right? In ministry, in jobs. Nobody likes to just get fired with like loose ends, right? Everybody, sure. we all want life to be tied up in a certain way. Right, yeah. Right, to find the closure. There has to be the end to the story. Right. right. And oftentimes that that the end doesn't come for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, they're left and they either claw at the walls, right? Yeah. Or they find resolve mm -hmm. and they have to find the resolve to say, Listen, I'm this, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know the answer to that question. 
and I just have to live with that. Yeah, it's like you have this mystery box you cannot get open. There's no key to it, and then eventually yeah. you're just like, oh. like like Pat, like Pat, like Patrick it. and SpongeBob. Yeah, sure. Patrick had a right. The SpongeBob had a secret box, and yeah, or no, Patrick had a secret box and couldn't, Sp- get, yeah, it couldn't get it yeah. open. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And finally, she's like, whatever, I don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> there you go. You eventually just go. Ah. I w- like. Hopefully, one day I can um, attain that amount of composure to myself <laughs> where I'm like. Just open, damn you! I just want to see what's inside. But yeah, know. well, I understand. But look, when when you have, and I think you go through once again an identity change, right? So when I was eight years old, you go through somewhat of an identity change. Now knowing knowledge about, um, you know that there's a there's a secret, there's something that happened, right? Yeah. And I would say also there was an identity change when I was 13 years old, and I'd gone to camp and I had found Christ, and and that's a whole new identity. So the the unresolved parts of my life somehow get resolved because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, you know, that he is a father to the fatherless of how God it says, talked about that in Psalms. And I hooked onto that, right? He is a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. And so not only was I fatherless twice, right? So I was like, now I'm like, well, who's, who's dad, right? Who's my father? And so right. when, when I went through that, I went through another identity change uh, through knowing Christ. But that also brought, uh, because of the scriptures and because of, you know, those things that, that I found resolve in that. Uh, and I think that's just an important a component of my life is that, um, you know, having a relationship with God adds a little bit of the end to some of the big questions, not all of them, because I still have lots of questions. Sure. So, yeah. I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why not? Why? Not sure. So what uh, made you get into the whole uh, Jesus thing? <laughs> Well, that's a great question. The Jesus the culture. The Jesus culture. Um, <laughs> not the band. But the oh, is actual, that a band? It is Jesus, Jesus culture. culture. A band. Oh, I, I honestly did not know that. Just know. How about fun, that? Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, so for me, going to the camp, right? I grew up in New York and I grew up Catholic. So okay. right. growing up Catholic. So I've always had a background in faith or religion. Sure. But even as a, as, as a as growing up in New York and growing up Catholic, you know, growing up Catholic and growing up in any other church is completely different. Uh, you know, Catholicism. Yeah, there's a lot of standing up. There's a lot of sitting down. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kneeling. Yeah. So there's a lot of those. Uh, I went through the whole deal all the way through my what's called confirmation because I went to what's called catechism class. Uh, and I remember going to, um, you know, walking. When I was in New York, I'd walk six blocks to the church, you know, by myself to go to the class and then, you know, walk back. So um, so in doing that, I had a, a knowledge of God. And what the Catholic Church taught me was uh, really about reverence. Right. So when you're in church, you know, don't, don't, you know, it's not about how you dress. It is about your attitude though. Don't take the things, don't, don't, don't treat the things that are, that are supposed to be sacred. Uh, don't treat them with, with mockery, you know, be reverent. Sure. You know, if you, look, even if you disagree, be reverent, right. be, have, respect. Be, right. have some respect, right? Yeah. Uh, it's okay to disagree. It's, uh, to me, it's not okay to, um, like I said, to mock or to, to, to be, um, you know, be a jerk about it. You know, if you don't agree, that's fine. You don't have to come back. Right. But for me, I learned reverence. I learned, um, you know, looking at stained glass, I learned about art, believe it or not. I learned about beauty. I learned mm-hmm. about a lot of those things. And so in coming to Florida, when, when it was totally different, because that's when you started hearing things like, you know, if you wanted to come to Christ, which was new verbiage for me, right. Cause in the Catholic church, once you're baptized as a baby, you're in, right. you're in the, you're in the club. Perfect. Okay. You're in the you're in the Catholic club. <laughs> you can, you can come on in and take communion and do all that stuff. Nice. Uh, but now I had to have, I had to figure out now what is this personal relationship with God? So I had to figure that part out. So I thought it was funny that, you know, of course then, you know, you see people raising their hands during worship mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm like, what is It's like a completely on? different narrative, but to the same story. hundred percent. Right? So people would raise their, raise their hands. And I'd be like, the only time in New York City when you see people raising their hands is when they're getting held up. <laughs> and I'm going, give me that money for what, the pie. I, I said, who? <laughs> give me the money for the pie. Where, where? And by the way, I did see a mugging when I was when I was probably 10 years old. Oh, wow. Happened right in front of me. Like these two guys went after this couple, like just like were beating them down. Oh, my God. And I ran. And my friend who was at who I was talking with, I'm like there. And he slams the door and doesn't. And I'm knocking on the door. So let me in, man. What? So let me in. These guys, people are getting mugged out here. And so I had to like go around and jump like a couple of fences to make sure these these guys didn't see me, you know, as some sort of potential witness of some right, kind. Right? Yeah, a rat. They don't a want you to be a rat. They don't want to be a rat. 
And in that area, yeah, it's a you bad, know what happens to rats. It's a bad place to be a rat in Brooklyn. I can't believe you should unfriend this person from Facebook immediately. <laughs> Like, Absolutely. This person is not a good friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like something Matt would do so, to me. So, <laughs> don't I'm know. I'm kidding, Matt. Yeah. But just feel free to edit him, Matt. Just, just, just cut out and make his words say something else. Uh, something. <laughs> uh, that just reminds me of, I really love Matt a lot. And there it's not even go. my voice. That's right. Just <laughs> edit his, your own voice in. Yeah, Matt. he puts his own voice in. 100%. Um, and so, and, and now discovering that you can have a personal relationship with Christ, uh, in this, I was like, Okay, that's new and different and unusual. And so, once again, I, I, you know, you go and you, you, um, you know, heed the call. You kind of like, but you know what? Even that, I can remember when that, that it, for me, when I encountered Jesus, it really wasn't in like the church service. I was talking one-on-one with a counselor in the game room and he led me to Christ right there. And then I opened my eyes like after prayer, and it was like the whole world had just been created like just a few seconds earlier. Mm-hmm. And like you're looking at a brand new world. And so for me, having, you know, discussions with people and talks with people uh, and community and those things are, are super important in how Christ is relayed to people, right? Whether that's over a meal, whether that's just sitting at somebody's house or whatever it may be. So me, that's, that's how, I, how I found Christ and been trying to figure out how to. Uh, you know, follow that, follow Jesus, you know, over the past 40 years. Wow. Is, uh, is quite the task. <laughs> so, it's basically your, uh, it's what defines you pretty much. It does. It does. When you, uh, you know, um, when, when I went from being like, I had, like, they asked me, what do you want to be in high school? I said, well, I had really had three choices, really. I said, I, I said, I could be a professional bowler. You good at bowling? Uh, not bad. Nice. Not terrible. Uh, at the time I was bowling in tournaments, okay. I bowled like when I was thir- 14 or 15, I bowled a 201, which I thought was like cool. And, uh, you know, I thought about it, right. I thought about maybe professional bowling. That'd be fun. Social work. I said, well, I want to give back to the world. Maybe, you know, I said, well, how can I do that? But here's the deal though. The thing that sold me on being a youth pastor and I was a youth pastor for 30 years. The thing that sold me on being a youth pastor was I had good youth pastors I had three different youth pastors in my life. The first one taught me about books and knowledge. He told me, uh, he let me borrow anything out of his library anytime and read whatever I wanted. And he was a good youth pastor because, but he always irked me, especially when I was a teenager, because he would ask, I'd ask questions. He said, well, what does the Bible say? I go, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you, <laughs> dummy. You're the professional here. I don't know anything. So he would say, well, here's a book. Or here's, you know, he would address things and give me that. I go, oh, that's how I find knowledge, right? That's, I got to read things and read my Bible and so forth. So my second youth pastor uh, really taught me about the power of relationships, right? Taught me about the power of relationships. He's the guy that would drive me home. He would, you know, from a meeting, he would pick me up. He would, he really just taught me how to, how to love people. And then my third youth pastor really taught me about the power of um, sharing Christ with others and really passing on a faith to somebody else. So that was to me that at the end of the day being the third choice well, I could be a youth pastor I think it was almost destined at that point because um I had such really good influences and was a part of great youth groups and so for me you know the 30 years of being a youth pastor was uh was was also something that really defined me Christ you know defined my identity right taking me from you know where adoption in scripture has a has a place too because we're all adopted right for those who know Christ you're adopted into the family but also being a youth pastor uh, for those 30 years was was also defining in a lot of ways, identity-wise. Yeah. What made you want to retire from it? You know, for me, it was a matter of, I just, uh, and I was at a church and I was there eight years, which was a good run. That's a good run for a youth pastor. Five years. I was with you guys five years. Yeah. That's still a good run. Sure. The average, they say, amongst a lot of youth pastors, anywhere between a year and 22 months. Okay. So for five years with you guys was phenomenal. I was there eight years and I had just turned 50 and I really wanted to go into the world and I wanted to pass along what I knew. I really want, and I was tired. Part of me was tired. Part of me was, um, aggravated, uh, at church systems, which I've always been. You guys, if I told you, if I told you stories, you know, we probably, we probably know some of them. You would know some of them if I told you them, you'd you'd say, Oh, that's why that happened or this. And look, I, I was an advocate, not just for you guys, but for the youth ministry, because I always had people want to say negative things. And I'd be like, 
you know, I always felt like I was fighting uphill a lot of times because, mm -hmm. and then look, a lot of people loved you. Vast majority of people love young people in the church, but there's also a group of people who poo-pooed uh, ideas and, and how I went about things and those things. So eventually that kind of gets to me a little bit, but then you just, you know, when you're in any organization that you feel like is not moving forward, you just feel like you can't move forward with it. Yeah. So you got to get out of there. And so for me, I said, well, I'm going to go uh, do some coaching and I do, I coach youth workers. Um, I'm coaching a couple of guys right now um, and they're, uh, they're doing well. And then there's, um, you know, I do writing and things like that. So I wanted to strike out and I wanted to be able to, uh, to do some of that. Cause I felt like my time was done. I really did. I, I did not see myself going another year. So now today, uh, I have my regular job, which is driving HVAC equipment for a company uh, here in Birmingham. And I drive to various places and drop off, you know, HVAC equipment to people, uh, okay. to companies. Cool. Uh, but then I spend most of my other time, you know, working on my podcast, working on, uh, writing, um, working on coaching guys and still trying to pass along, uh, to help youth workers, especially, uh, have successful youth ministries. Yeah. Now tell us about, uh, your, your podcast. What's that Intel? What's that? What's it called? And what do you do? Mine is called youth ministry in motion. And I always think it, I called it that because I always see youth ministry and faith and those uh, as something that moves forward, right? There's, it has to have motion to it. Yeah. It has to, I, I want to see youth groups grow not only numerically, but I want to see them grow spiritually and grow deeper. And there's a progressive nature of discipleship that I like to see. So on my podcast, I will talk, you know, I'll do interviews like this with various people. I have one coming up this week uh, with a gentleman uh, who is in charge of what's called Alpha which is a, um, a video-based evangelism uh, okay. curriculum, uh, which is really good. I've, I've done some of that with students in the past. And, uh, and so what I'll do is I will uh, sometimes do interviews like that, and then sometimes I will just speak my mind, and I will just uh, uh, say, you know, youth workers, I want to talk about this. This is, you know, something that's bugging me. Uh, or something else, you know, be uh, like I just did one called the 31 Roles and Responsibilities Teenagers Can Do in Your Youth Group. So I went through a, a litany of things. I talk about the economy of youth ministry, where I talk about the fact that, look, the more students that have jobs, jobs, servant roles within the church, I think, number one, hang around longer. Uh, they're less bored. Uh, and they see the connection between faith and movement. They see the connection between uh, faith and works, right? They, they, they're doing it. And that's why I was really hard up on, you, on everybody in the youth group to participate, do something, help me, come in early, help me set up. You're doing it like I can remember you guys. I don't, I don't know if I regret this. I don't. I don't regret it. I'll say right now, I don't regret it. But you guys did a. Um, we did an award ceremony one time. Yeah. And you guys were part of the act. You guys were part of the um, uh, entertainment. And you, I think you came up and did a skit. I think you did Black Betty. I'm 100 percent oh, sure you did yeah, Black Betty. That's and uh, and I thought yeah, I remember that. <laughs> we all performed in masks. Yeah. And nobody knew who we were. Yep. Yeah, we were we were in ski masks. Yes, and uh, what was it? Uh, track suits. We yes. had track suits on. Track yeah. suits, Converse tennis shoes, and ski masks. <laughs> yep. And I could I, I thought to myself, <laughs> oh my, this, I forgot about that. I said, this is amazing. I said I could. I, I and I don't regret it at all. Number one, I because I, I didn't get in trouble for it. So yeah, um, it was it was a us. So it was an us thing. Nobody really knew about it. But I but everybody was you know loved it. They loved you guys. Uh, and I just didn't care. I was like, but that was a role and a responsibility that you guys got to express yourself in a way that yeah. uh, wasn't, you know, too overboard or, you know, it, I mean, of course for church, it was probably overboard, but, <laughs> but for me, it wasn't for me. It was like, here's some guys and you guys did a lot of things like that. You guys did oh, yeah. little skits, you participated in all kinds of things, but see, that's the, that's where I get in with youth workers and say, look, you're Jesus, Jesus did not train his disciples to sit around and sit back and watch him do miracles. He trained them and taught them to participate. Mm -hmm. And youth workers, too many youth workers are training and teaching their young people to sit back and watch them do the work. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a loser. That's a loser deal there. Yeah, no doubt. You we know? also did, um, we did a cover to uh, Jimmy Buffett's Cheeseburger in Paradise. Yep. Matt. Remember? Yeah, I had like I the, that. the the long blonde wig on with a <laughs> straw hat, and then somebody was playing this little toy wooden <laughs> acoustic that was way out of tune. It probably yes. had like four strings on it. Yes, yeah, that was hilarious. It was, and oh every time you guys participated and so did things, but you guys were super. Let me tell you something. And look, I just from my perspective, uh, whether it was uh, you know Matt or whether it was you or whether it was uh, 
uh, you know, Thomas, Thomas Jason. Or, or Jason. Yeah. Any of those guys, you guys were always there to, to help. If I asked you to do something, it, very rarely would you guys say, no, I, I can't help or I can't do something. You guys were always there to help and do something because I, you guys were ready to help and I wanted you to help. And I, everything you added to the program uh, helped out other people. Every time you participate, it, it, the, the small part adds to the greater. And that's, that's the part about young people being involved in, in expressing their faith or being participants in their youth groups or things like that. Yeah, I think the fact that we were uh, much more accepted like by you and some of our peers and even some of the other people uh, leading um, the youth ministry at the church we were going to was something that really helped kind of like strengthen our faith and keep us on that path just because like we, weren't, we didn't feel judged and all that stuff. And I guarantee you, if we would have been anywhere else, I mean, we got some of it. From uh, from there, I'll yeah. actually tell a funny story about one of these in just a <laughs> oh, second. No, but uh, I feel like we would have been anywhere else, man. People would have been like, "Why? Why do these guys are crazy? They're dressing up weird, and they've got like they're wearing wigs to church and like <laughs> holy jeans, and they have their skateboards. Yeah, just like they all. I think a lot of people assume that we were like really like we were like uh, I don't know. We Anar- were anarchists. We, yeah, like and you've I, come to destroy the place. People, I remember like somebody asking us for drugs once or something and <laughs> oh we're like, no huh? we don't do that. that that was probably a deacon's kid we were about jesus bro <laughs> and then we, we were like man and then i was like i didn't know there was this label attached and i remember one time me and thomas we dressed up um as very like nerdy kids once we we like I, yeah do you remember this i do we i do pulled our pants up past our belly button we had suspenders on we slicked our hair we had these giant glasses on and we wore like hats to try to like and it was so stupid because everybody knew who we were. But we, we were talking in different voices like, hey, I, this is, uh, I'm Jake. This is Sean. It was so ridiculous. But uh, I remember, uh, I think her, Becky. Becky, Becky. Do you remember Becky? I do. Yeah. Becky came up to us and she was talking to somebody else. And she was like, oh, I see what you guys are doing. And she was talking to somebody else. And she was like, she was like I get what they're doing. She was like, because everybody else was talking about them like, the way they looked before with the band right. shirts and the holy jeans and the long hair. Yeah. And now they're like looking the opposite. So people are like, oh, look at these nerds. So they're like, you guys are like making a point. Like you're like saying like, oh yeah, you want to judge us when we look like, you yeah. know, like uh, hoodlums and punk rockers. And now we're like dressing up all like we're nerds. And now it's like the other end of the spectrum. And so like, it just shows that you guys are, you're jerks and you know, you don't, you don't know anything about anything. And then we were like, oh Yeah. No, we just did this because we thought it was funny. <laughs> we were not trying to make some kind of political no statement. statement here. Not at all. Like we're just we're just weird, crazy dudes just doing that. But then I was like, and then I remember thinking, I was like, I was like talking to Thomas, and I was like, wait, so people think that we were weird before the way we dressed? I can't believe this stuff. They all thought we were cool. Although I, mean, I don't know, some of the football players thought we were cool and wanted us to hang out with them. We were the the skater skater boys. That's right. We had our little boys. our little click. You did our little gang. It, it's funny too. Like I after we heard that, then I started thinking like, oh, I guess everybody just thinks we're crap. And then like years later, I would meet people from Garywood and other like circles that were like, oh yeah, you know, like I really loved y'all's little group. Like I was always like, I wished I could be friends with you guys, or you guys are so cool. And I used to be like, really, we were like. We were like crazy and, you know, sometimes we could be like buttholes, but, uh, I, it, it surprised me how many people actually looked up to us. And I think w- what it was, it wasn't because we like, we look like a bunch of like rebels or whatever, maybe, but I think it was like, it was our friendship, our close knit unit. Mm-hmm. And that's what people were in love with. And that's what people were like, oh man, I, that is that, that's what I, I want that. that I like that. And so, so many people. People would come up and like after like years later, I'd be like, wow, really? You looked up to us? Why? What's wrong with you, dummy? We're the last people you should be looking up to or wanting to be a part of. We're, well, we're, we're we'll goobers. See, we'll see, no, well, yeah, you're goobers. Yeah, but I would disagree. <laughs> I would disagree uh, with looking, at, looking up to you guys because I, I think you took who you were and said, hey, you know, I'm going to interject myself into this, this spiritual space and with Jesus. And, and I think people... People are insecure by nature anyway. They look at other people sure. and they look at their lives. They go, I'm not interesting. Okay. Clear, clearly, I feel that way, right? Because right. <laughs> you, you made the comment. I made the comment, right? <laughs> so so we're all insecure. We all think that we're not, 
but but you're right about that about the community you guys had about the tight knit but i think it was part and parcel of the of that you guys were free to be who you wanted to be which nobody else could be right uh, okay but sure. also the community aspect of it not only could they not be who they really wanted to be they were afraid to be that but they didn't have anybody else that they could have done that with yeah right so they so they did their own thing and that was fine it's not knocking them it's just it's just making a point of saying that you know, you guys who you were, and I think people did look up to that um, because of that. But I also remember, like I said, you guys did things. I mean, you guys shared your hearts. I remember asking you guys to share, or I remember asking you guys to share a verse, or I remember, you know, I remember Matt giving me one week, uh, uh, I think it was offering one week that he was on a, he's, he, he had made a commitment of some kind and says, Hey, this is uh this is my offering. Like, which would, which would blow people's minds, right? If I told people, I said, look, I got, I had kids that were Right and skip who gave money who because they wanted to give into the offering they wanted to give something and regardless if it was a, a a dime or a dollar it didn't matter the point was that I I challenge people to give on all levels right give of yourself if you can't give of yourself give give of your your money or give of your something find a way to participate in this thing and I would challenge that because I believe giving uh you know uh offers a um reciprocal uh, nature it's sure. reciprocal in nature that you give right jesus says give and it'll be given back to you mm -hmm. shaken down pressed uh, together and running over into your lap yeah i still believe that if that, that, that in giving um that comes back to you and so when, yeah. when when you guys did that whether it was your time or you gave money or you you did something you shared i mean to me that was the whole deal that was the whole deal is that you guys were able to love jesus and be yourselves uh, and that's, I think, yeah. what Jesus wants everybody to do. <laughs> just love him and be yourself. Yeah, we uh, we just did what we did just because it's what we like to do. There was no, like, philosophy philosophy behind it, what we did. We just we just did whatever. We, like, it right. didn't matter, like, what people thought. This is just what, what we felt was cool. Yes. How we wanted to look, the way we wanted to, you know, present ourselves, our mm -hmm. character. And that, and that was it. I mean, I still, I still live by that motto now as an adult. Like I, you know, I, I dance to the tune of my own beat, you know, that's exactly how it is. And that's the life that I'm going to live and the family that I start and have. And that, and that's like what I'm going to instill in my children and their children's children, because it's, I feel like it's the most important thing. hundred percent. Right? I that, agree. That individualism is, is very important. I agree. Um, but the story I was going to tell about, uh, people, uh, I don't know, I guess judging us from our surface level or the mm. way we looked and mm -hmm. stuff was uh so one night uh we were at uh i think it was like me jason and one other person maybe it was thomas or ivy or matt i'm not sure do you, were you as i'm telling the story matt maybe you'll remember and you'll know if you were there or not you might have not been anyways it was a sunday night service so we're in like big church yeah right and pastor loper was up there preaching or he was going to be preaching um and i remember like sitting in there and i was like oh crap I don't think I put any deodorant on. <laughs> and then so I, I lift my arm and I'm like, oh, sure didn't. And I was like, oh, crap. There's people around. There's cute girls over there that will probably talk to us after the service is over. I got to go put some deodorant on real quick. So I got up and went out to uh, my truck parked outside to get deodorant to put it on. Because yeah. it was in my, in my truck. And stupid Jason like sees me get up and then he follows me. Mm. He follows me out there and then I like I'm going in there and I walk him I see him walking out and I was like he was like hey what are you doing I was like what are you doing I was like dude you're like you're drawing attention because we I stood up when everybody was sitting down because they were uh somebody was giving a message and they were right. about to pass it on to Loper sure um and so like I was like oh I don't want to do this but I really need to do this if I don't like I don't I don't, I don't want to stink you know B.O. is a major thing, ladies yeah. and gents. Yeah. Don't do it. Right. <laughs> so I'm getting, and then Jason follows me. And I was, and I knew in my head as like a 16 year old, I was like, I was like, dude, that, that draws attention. Like, you know, so if one of us gets up, it's fine. Maybe I'm going to the restroom. Then you're getting up and falling right behind me. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, dude, what are you, and he was like, oh, I just see what you're doing. I was like, I'm getting deodorant, man. And he was like, oh, okay. And he's just hanging out. And then like Ben Callahan saw us and he wasn't in the surface. He was just driving by in his truck. And then he pulls in. He's like, hey guys, what are y'all doing? <laughs> and we're like, I'm not doing anything. And then some other kid walked up that was, I think in the service, like some, one of our like outside friends yeah. out of our circle, but was like yeah. pals with us. 
uh, came out, and then uh, Josh, what was his last name? He rollerbladed. Josh, uh, you know, I know you. I know you know who I'm talking about, right, Matt? Yeah. You remember his last name? I don't remember his last name. He rollerblades up. He's like, "Hey guys, what are y'all doing?" And I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> you ever seen? You ever seen that movie? There's something about Mary. Yeah. You know the scene in the bathroom? Yeah. And then everybody's coming in to yeah. see him zip himself up. Yeah. That's what this felt like. Yeah. And I was like, I came out here to put on deodorant. Jason followed me out. Ben Callahan pulls up. Some other kid walked out to see what we're doing. And then Josh rollerblades up here. So there's just a bunch of people. It's like we're having a block party out in the pocket. Oh, and no. sure enough, lo and behold, I look over and guess who's walking out in a three-piece suit? Yeah. John Loper. John Loper. Pastor John Loper. He's walking out. He's got this smug look on his face. And he's like, all right, all right, fellas, that's enough. Let's get into the service. You know, we don't need to be out here smoking, all right? It's enough of the smoking. <laughs> We're trying to do some Jesus time here. Oh, Stop no. the smoking and come inside. And I was like, what? And I was like, no, I, and then like, you know, they get, Ben was like, oh, well, I'm not even in the service. So he drove off. And then, yeah, some of the other kids were walking back. And then I, like, we're walking back. He was, like, escorting us back into the church, basically. And I remember yeah. looking at him. And I was, like, I was like, no. I was like, Pastor Loper. I was like, no. I, I, we weren't smoking. I wasn't smoking. Nobody was smoking out here. But we weren't smoking. I came out here to get something. And then he completely dismissed me. He was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to yeah. listen. I was, like, I was like, no, no, no. I, I was I came out here to I wasn't gonna say I didn't want to say deodorant because it was embarrassing he probably wouldn't believe that anyway maybe yeah but uh yeah he just <laughs> completely not. dismissed it he was just like I was just you know I was just like I was like oh no. we weren't out here smoking he was like he's like okay, okay. <laughs> that's part of the part of the issue I feel like I I'm youth pastors are interpreters right we have to interpret the language of senior pastors who are normally of a different age demographic sure. to young people. And I must interpret. It's like two two people you have to like that don't speak the same language at all. Yeah. And youth pastors come in and have to relay and communicate what that what did young people say and what did this person say? Yeah, man, you're a generational translator. I am. That's like exactly <laughs> what I am. And and I would say this that as youth pastor, Pastor Loper did not tell me no on very many things. If I wanted money for something and I pitched the idea, he'd give it to me. So I want to just throw that in there that as, as, as maybe his, um, his social or cultural, um, uh, what do I want to say, uh, you know, is not there, right. Especially when dealing with maybe young people that he cared in a different way, what, what he couldn't do culturally or socially, he did financially by keeping that youth program moving in regards to that, which is what many senior pastors do. The sad part is that a lot of senior pastors don't get to know their young people as well as they should. Yeah. So, and so unfortunately judgment is a part of that, especially at the time when we were doing it, because there was a lot of cultural things that were going on in the world that did not make sense to him. And so when you heard a news bite back then, I don't know if it's true now, but, but it was almost like it was gospel truth. Like, oh my gosh, you know, young people were wearing, uh, um, uh, we're wearing trench coats. So if somebody was wearing a trench coat at the time and somebody had done something bad in a trench coat, sure, yeah, and you're wearing a trench coat, it's exactly where the brain goes to in the minds of certain um, uh, pastors of a certain age who will immediately think that must be what's going on. And so, and so, you know, I don't defend everything, but of course I don't defend like he just accused you of smoking, but in the parking lot, but that's where most brains would yeah. go. Here's the thing. I, like, I'm that. joking around about it a lot. I know you are. I know but, you are. Uh, I get it. I get I mean, I don't like, at the time, I was super bitter, though, right? Sure. I was like 16 I years old. I understand. And I was like, oh, I look up to this guy. Like, I'm going to church for all the right reasons. And he's <laughs> accusing me. And he wouldn't even let me plead my case. Like, I can't believe this. I don't know how I feel anymore. Yeah, I know. And now, like, as an adult, like, I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. I was like, I, I, you know. Paul, I'm so glad you came on here, man. We've but, really rehashed a lot of uh, cool history here. We have. We have. Good old G-Wood. Hopefully right. we get some G-Wood people that check this out. Anybody listening to this, give us a special shout out. That's give, right. Give Paul a shout out. Give me a shout if you're, out. If you remember any of us. In <laughs> our, our motley crew. <laughs> <In> our motley <laughs> crew. Oh, my goodness. We do appreciate it, though, man. Like, I, you, you definitely stood out. Even, like... Even if it wasn't just about like being at church and you being a youth pastor, just that you were a great shepherd. And I don't even mean to say that just in the context of faith or right. religion, right. but just like you were a great older mentor, right? right? And there wasn't a lot like 
you know, there was a lot of adults that we were around this just, just didn't have that flair that none of us had. Like, you know, and a lot of us, a lot of us, uh, friends, you know, we, uh, we didn't have a lot of, uh, fatherly influence cause we, we came from broken homes and yep. stuff like that. And a yep. lot of, uh, I guess daddy issues and things like that. And so, sure. you know, there was no, like none of us had any older brothers or dad like figures that really, I don't know, kind of was like understood us and also helped to kind of like, nurture who we mm-hmm. were as young humans coming up yep. into our own and like especially when you're a teenager you got raging hormones and oh, you don't yeah. know where where your life's going and what it means and i feel like for us we had the luxury of even though in being that because we had each other that was our unit but then to have an adult that was on the outside that was like oh you know i i get you guys to an extent i get you guys and i, I see what you're doing and you know we really appreciate that that was uh that was really huge for us, I think. Well, um, it was a privilege for me. Yeah. A privilege. Yeah. Yeah, the honor's all yours. Honor's all mine. <laughs> yeah. I won't go into all the trouble, you know, that uh, I got into, but that's okay. Hey. Because of it, but I, it was it's worth okay. it. We don't, we don't mind. We, was, didn't, we didn't have to deal right. with it. That's right. And the fact that we talk about wrestling diaries, we uh-huh. could go into the whole wrestling at camp. Oh, gosh, uh, Was a yes. whole other element, oh, yeah. which I think has maybe impacted the name of this podcast, maybe that. And the fact that you guys were backyard wrestlers, anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, but, the, yeah. the The name of this podcast is in, it, um, infected by the fact that we did backyard wrestling, yes, and that we were wrestling professional wrestling fans growing up, yes. So I, I planned on wanting to write a book, mm-hmm. and the 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 title, the Wrestling Diaries, is like a double entendre, like it has two meanings. One yes. is it is actually talking about legitimate wrestling, yes, because the story is based off of some of the characters that we created mm-hmm. yep. fictionally, yep. But then it's also about a character who is wrestling with his own personal demons. So mm-hmm. there's like, and then I was like, you know, that's actually a concept that everybody deals with. So I want to start a serious podcast and I'm going to call it the Wrestling Diaries because the Struggling Diaries just don't have the same ring to it. You're bro. absolutely right. It's a good name. <laughs> but on that note, Mr. Paul Turner, mm-hmm. preaching and teaching all those impressionable minds out there. I am. Sir. Yes. What are some of the things that uh, you as a man in this world are struggling with yourself. What are you wrestling? What are the demons that you are always trying to overcome? Or maybe not always, but here and there. What are those monsters in your closet that you're fighting with to try to keep in there? Wow. Well, uh, I have a lot of them. I'm just, we don't have that much time, I don't think. But <laughs> but I would say this. Um, men, in general, struggle with uh, work identity, right? That you're calling in life. What is it? You know, what am I supposed to do with my, with my life? Mm-hmm. And then you have a job and you have a job for so many years or whatever it may be. And maybe you leave that job and then you're, you're kind of lost on the wind a little bit. Right. So for 30 years, I was a youth pastor and then I've gone through the process of, um, you know, saying, well, okay, what am I then? Right. Uh, uh, what am I then to the church? What am I then to, cause I'm not a professional youth pastor. I don't, uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not paid. I'm not on staff anywhere. I'm not, and so when you begin to kind of untangle that a little bit, you have to say, well, where was my identity all those years? You would like to say, I would like to say that my identity was in Christ, but even, but as a human being, as a man, you have this job, this role, this shepherding responsibility that I've had for so long. And now you're like, yeah, I don't do that as much anymore. I don't hang out. I'm not, um, you know, necessarily around a group of young people, except the young men that I coach, uh, mm-hmm. through the coaching program, which I, I think is, it still helps me facilitate that. And so when you peel all that away, you have to then, you know, deal with the fact that, well, you're, you're not that anymore. Well, if you're not that, then what are you? And so I think that's part of uh, my next step of my journey is discovering that and taking some of the things that I was good at, whether that was shepherding or teaching or speaking or communication or uh, mentoring, and then saying, well, let me take those, those malleable skills that worked in youth ministry and how does that fit maybe into other places in culture and life. And so I think that's my, my next big struggle is finding out where those things that I was good at for a long time, how can I find a place to best use those, um, you know, within my life now? This next question I'm going to ask is really great because it's right up your alley because you, uh, being a youth pastor for all these years and uh, teaching and preaching to uh, young people, mm-hmm. um, I asked this question about, uh, you know, if this uh, hypothetical or uh, theoretical question about like, uh, what if we had a, a telephone time machine? Yeah. You could pick any point in your life. 
you pick it up and you dial a date and you can call yourself Mm -hmm. from that past, a a point where you probably needed that phone call the most. And what do you say to yourself? And I say, I feel like this question is just built for you because you, you've built your whole career and everything, your identity on helping young people, Mm -hmm. right? In, In any way you possibly can. And so what, point of your life, your young life, do you call? And it might, it could, it might not even be you as a kid. Maybe it's you as a 30 year old man. I don't know. Yeah. What do you pick up on this t- telephone time machine? What date do you call? How old are you? And what do you say to yourself when, when you feel like, uh, this version of Paul needed, needs this version of Paul's advice the most? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call, uh, probably. 19-year-old Paul Okay, at some Why? point. And I'm going to call him because I never got a uh, degree uh, from college. And understanding the length of life and how long I would live at this point, I would tell him, I'd say, listen, man, I said, life's going to be hard enough for you. Uh, but if you don't get a degree, it's probably going to be even harder for you somehow. So I, I finished, go to college, finish college and get your degree. And I would tell him that not because I needed a degree to do youth ministry. I needed the degree after youth ministry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And I'd say, get the degree anyway. It doesn't matter what it's in political science. It doesn't matter. Just get the degree, anything, and just have that under your belt. Now, uh, several years ago, I went back to college, but I am one credit shy of an AA because mm-hmm. I cannot pass math. Taking algebra four times. I took it two times in class, two times online, and I cannot pass it. There's a word for that. There's stupid is the word I believe, <laughs> but but there's another word that uh, where you where math is just not a thing for you. You just cannot. It doesn't translate or whatever that may be. Yeah. So anyway, that but that would call nineteen year old nineteen year old Paul and say you you need to get your college education probably. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. That's a good. That's a, that's a good a good staple. Do you think that? And I have to ask this. Do you think though that that's important for everybody that they have to have a college degree uh, to do whatever they want to do in life to to chase mm. whatever aspirations or dreams or goals they have? No, but but even their dreams and goals and aspirations they don't last forever. In other words, you're going to find yourself at in between places of your life where that degree might matter. Right where you mm-hmm. say, "Well, I would like to teach." Right, you have a certain gift set or, or you know a certain skill set that works well in a place that you might need a degree for. So having the degree isn't about you don't need the degree to live your your dreams. Mm-hmm. The degree it's is simply like what fallback. the if it's a fallback, but it's what the what at this point in the in the universe where the degree is uh, is still a thing. In other words, they're still judging you based on what college you went to, what was your GPA so forth and so on. Yeah. Uh, until that's not a thing anymore, you should have one. It doesn't have, you don't have to have stellar marks. You can get all D's for all I care, but get the degree and at least say that you have something so that if you go somewhere for whatever reason, whatever the powers that be are looking for on that resume, they will see that you have run the gauntlet and you have successfully somehow graduated from a higher education institution and mm-hmm. would be a, a, an asset to their uh, whatever they have. Okay. Very well said. Yeah. I've, I personally have, I have my PhD in uh, thugonomics. Thugonomics. <laughs> Give me that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that money so I can get that pie. Yeah. Great, man. Okay, cool. And yeah. in finality, yes. sir, uh, one day, hopefully very, very, very far in the future, when you're long and gone, mm. what is the legacy that Paul Turner leaves behind on this world to his friends, to his confidants, his family? And everybody that knew him, what is that? What do they etch into your stone? What do they write uh, poems and books about? What do uh, they speak in your eulogy? Well, you know what? I always think about that. Of course, uh, you know, you think about your life at a certain age. You think about what you want to what you want to do. And I always thought at my at my funeral, I would want uh, a cross section of people to speak at it because. Um, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want people to know Paul Turner as one thing. I don't want them to say, well, Paul Turner, he was a great youth pastor. Okay, that's great. What else did he do? Right. He, he did some other things. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind. Uh, have, I think, I think part of my legacy is sitting in this room here. I think Matt, I think you are part of that okay. because, because 
the things, right? The, it's, it's who you impact. It's who you, uh, it's who you choose to give your life away to as part of that legacy. And so, uh, for me, uh, I would love to have a cross section of people who know me from different avenues of life who don't know each other that would see a different perspective of who I am. So I think my legacy is yes, probably a large part of that is youth ministry, but I think a large part of that is just the people you, you impact in different ways, um, throughout your life. So I think if, if you were to, if you were to put it uh, succinctly, if I would put it succinctly, I'd say, look, uh, that Paul Turner's life was about impacting others in a positive way, uh, whether that was through the gospel or whether that was through, uh, being helpful or whether that was being uh, a servant to people or, or doing what he could. Um, I would say that, uh, that would probably be my legacy. Nice. Roll Tide, roll. Roll <laughs> RTR. <laughs> roll damn time. That was great, man. Thank you so much for being on the show, dude. I really appreciate it. You are uh, you're a jewel. Man. You are a diamond, sir. A flawed <laughs> jewel, but yes, a jewel nonetheless. Next time you come on the show, we'll have to talk about some more nerdy, sh- nerdy stuff, man. Oh, like buddy, comic, I got comic books and sci-fi. I got Heck stuff. Yeah. I got stuff for you, man. Let's do it. Uh, before I uh, sign us off, though, man, uh, let me. You can look it in that camera. Go ahead and promote your podcast, uh, your literature, anything you got you're working on right now, any creative projects. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, anything. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for watching or listening. And if you uh, want to see the work that I do, you can go to thedisciplesproject.net, uh, and all the links will be there uh, to be able to find uh, the podcast, um, blog posts, uh, things of that nature. And uh, and you can hit me up on the socials on Instagram at the D Project. Excellent. Thanks so much for being on the show, man. High five, bro. High five, man. Love you, buddy. I like it. Love you too, bro. Wasn't that cool? It's such a cool interview. Mitchell and Matt have done a tremendous job, and they're really doing some work there. So I appreciate them and, and all that they're trying to do. And I want to encourage you, listen, if you've listened to this interview and you say, Paul, boy, I'd love to have some, some good fruit. I would love to, I would love to, you know, students to be telling stories like that and, and really going out doing things. Like that. Let me tell you something. You know how you do that? You stay with it. You stick with it. You stay, you stay in it until you can't stay in it. And you just walk through the journey with these guys, through everything. And you think long term. You think, man, who are these guys going to be 10 years from now? That was always my plan, is I really wanted to see these guys as young adults. And I wanted them to be my friends. I wanted them to be, you know, what Jesus told his disciples. Look, I no no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And, you know, that's what I wanted for these guys. And I hope and pray that I continue um, to have a relationship with them and have a voice in their life that uh, if I can serve them and, uh, and just love them and, uh, and be a part of it, then I want to. That's where I want to be. So that is it for this episode, guys. Uh, I hope that it's encouraged you. I hope maybe you found out a few things about me and uh, you go, wow. Then I'd love your feedback. I would love you to go over to iTunes uh, and leave a review and a few stars. That'd be awesome. I would love to hear from you. Uh, just go ahead. There'll be a link down in the show notes there. Go ahead and click that and say, look, Paul, I want to give you some stars and a, and a review so that other people can find this show and other people can be uh, blessed the way I've been blessed. So that is it, guys. I appreciate your time today and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.